And that jarring kick off when he tells you that you're back with the Power of Three podcast. And once again, we're venturing back into the territory of the 60s in colour. I was actually thinking about spelling that C-O-L-O-R like they did with the Avengers for series five and six when it went into colour in America. But uh, I didn't. I just said colour. Anyway, that doesn't matter. I'm Kenny Smith and I'm here with two of my podcast pals, my mates, my buddies, my co-conspirators and gentlemen who's alphabetically first. You better say hello and introduce yourself. Uh, hi everyone, it's John from Scarrow, <laughs> aka Greenock, but comparisons have often been made. Yeah, I hope you're not suffering too much from dystronic toxemia tonight, John. Well, you know, living in a radioactive wasteland with commanding views of the Firth of Clyde. Yeah. I'm doing my best, but uh, just trying to steer away from the uh, the killer clams. Yeah, absolutely. And watch out for the mutos, the scarred relics and stuff like that. Anyway, let's head up to land where there's not too many scarred relics or indeed mutos. They're just a very strange bunch of pacifists up there in Oban, aren't they? A oh, very strange bunch of pacifists. Yes. Hi, everyone. It's Stevie here. I'm... Slightly less monochrome than the original Dalek story, but um, I'm gradually fading, I feel, in the old hair department. So I'm quite quite pleased to talk about something colourful. <laughs> well, at least you have hair, Stevie. Yeah. And John. As our YouTube viewers yes. will just have seen there, I made an obscene gesture. <sighs> Do you know, I actually got a message on Facebook today from somebody saying, where's your, your YouTube channel? I can't find it anywhere. Even though we keep saying every episode, it's a joke. Mm-hmm. Yes, but we only mention that on our YouTube channel, so it would be quite difficult. <laughs> That's exactly. very true. Very true. Anyway, Daleks in colour. Now, John, you've previously told us, of course, that you missed this going out live, in inverted commas, in BBC4. Yes. That's correct. I take it you watched yes, it as soon as you get in. I, I did, yes. Um, I was on annual leave, so I'm not ashamed to admit that um, I cracked open a bottle of Pinot Grigio and uh, settled down to uh, this televisual feast and uh, it absolutely was. Do you want me to, to tell you what my initial reactions were or, or will I just wait until you probe me gently? Well, um, I've been told off to stop putting in cheeky comments so I'm not going to slip any more in uh, for now but uh, we'll let Stevie tell us You just did but Oh damn it I can't (laughs) help it I must have got innuendo (laughs) disease or something Oh gosh Anyway Stevie over to you Uh, When did you first see it? Did you watch it as live? I couldn't watch it as live because I was doing a a show I was doing a live show so I couldn't do it However as soon as I could I sat down and watched it not with the Pinot Grigio and I have to say, no matter what I say during this podcast, I thought technically it was brilliant. I do have criticisms and I'm really, 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 really sorry, but it's not to beat up anybody in the work that they've done. But 
I grew up on the black and white version and I had a lot of adjustments to do to watch this. If I had gone in straight to the colour, I don't think I'd, I'd have gone, Paul, that's amazing. But because I knew the black and white version so well, oops, eek, that was tricky. Interesting. <laughs> we'll come back to that shortly. So, John, what were your thoughts? Did you go through it quite happily and think, wow, because I think my first feeling was just, yeah, I'm enjoying this. This looks good. Yeah, I mean, I think you can always rely on me, Kenny, to say I loved it because I do. I just love, <laughs> I tend to love things. Um, things have to be really, really terrible before I would say, oh, well, it maybe wasn't great. But no, I thought this was uh, a delight. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that I always find myself watching Doctor Who through two lenses, through my own lens, a lens of my own experience and my you know, fairly lengthy history with the show, but also trying to look at it through fresh eyes and imagining what someone who was new to the show or recent to the show would be would be seeing. Um, and so, uh, on that front, I, I just thought it was it was lovely. Um, it, it was just such a, a beautifully curated. I mean, to my eyes, I mean, I know that 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 Stevie's a bit more of an expert in this, but I just thought the the quality of the the colorization was great. I thought, you know, the the tweaks that were made in terms of some of the special effects, you know, the Dalek blaster um, being updated and even the cry of exterminate that was had been put in uh, and all of those nice little sort of Easter eggy things that you wouldn't really know if you, uh, unless you had been um, steeped in the original black and white version and, and watched all the episodes so yeah I thought it was um, I thought it was great and I think it may be because I was probably a couple of glasses of Pinot Grigio into it that I kept thinking of Caroline Ford you know I'm thinking this is this is this must be lovely for her because you know she's not been involved in a very obvious way in the 60th anniversary uh, celebrations and, and this is something that really puts her and of course the original TARDIS crew front and centre uh, and I thought it must be really nice for her to see all the care that's been put into bringing that uh, adventure to to life and even the way that they uh, one of the things that always annoyed me was Susan's run through the radioactive forest um, and the way it had been judiciously tweaked to be less uh, ridiculous looking so yeah, little things like that just kind of yeah, it kind of tugged at my at my fanboy heartstrings. I could feel those pulls as well. I was exactly the same. There's just so many little bits, even simple things um, that are being done as you mentioned, like exterminate. It's being dropped in, and okay, it's not historically accurate, but that's what people expect, and you've got to give the people what they want. Stevie. Let's have your positive thoughts first of all. What you enjoyed most? My positive, my positive thoughts. I think the color restoration was done so well, and I think you, you've got to bear in mind that there is no magic button for color restoration. I don't know if you know that. And there are filters that you can just say color, you know, color this photo, and it will do its best. But that's not the case in something like this. And you know, to the extent we all know that the TARDIS console was actually green, and that's because. To make it look white, it had to be a certain colour in black and white. And there were all these compromises in black and white. You could have all these colourful costumes, but sometimes you had to have a certain colour 
to give a certain effect and a certain contrast. And I think, um, you know, absolute kudos to these guys who put this together, that they're looking at that and thinking, right, no, well, they're not going to expect that. They're going to expect this. They're going to expect the other. And it's it's such a hard process. And I've, I know I've seen one of the guys that is involved and I've seen his YouTube channel. I know how long it takes him to to do some of this. Um, so you've got to say, absolutely, that is uh, top rate. You're stymied, though, because you're still missing information. And it doesn't matter how much you try to upscale and do if you've got a static image or a side-to-side -side image it's fine but the moment the camera starts moving or people are too quick that's where the problem comes in so i'm trying to be positive here they've done a cracking job given the resolution that they they started with and um i think for to introduce somebody to the daleks who'd never seen it before that's the way to go down that's the way to show them uh good old uh, episode of Doctor Who I, I don't know I, I don't want to be negative about it but the biggest problem it has is that you or I would compare that to the Peter Cushing and think why is it not as sharp and the reason is one of them was filmed on videotape and one of them was filmed on I don't know 32mm, 16mm, whatever film and exists beyond high definition I, th I think the edit was okay, but again, I, th I do feel it loses something in the edit if you know the story. I agree. Sorting out Susan's running through the, f the, the forest. You know, this, there, do you know that a good quote here, there's so, only so many corridors a time lady can run down. And there's only so many trees you can go past to convince yourself you're, you're running through a, a massive forest. But yeah, I mean, it looked clean. It looked nice. It sounded, it sounded good. Absolutely agreed. I mean, one of my favourite things was the Dalek City itself, because I had to look through my old copy of Doctor Who, the early years, which had those lovely pictures that Ray Cusick had taken back in the day on set. And you see what they've done, sort of use some basic colours and then just taking it off in a whole new direction, particularly introducing some bronzes around the door frames and things like that. And I thought it was absolutely glorious seeing the Dalek City. It's different, obviously, from, as you mentioned, Stevie, the, the Dalek movies and their sort of plasticky... Always, I don't know why that's... We had plastic like that in our carport when I was growing up. And uh, I always made me think of our carport, the Dalek City. But um, it's nice seeing it sort of given that proper solid metallic look. And I'd say the, the job that Mark Ayers did with the score and the soundtrack was fantastic. I know that... Um, a certain prominent fan and former record producer didn't enjoy the score and was kind enough to tell Mark Ayers directly that he thought it sucked. Charm, mm. not. Um, but no, I, I thought it worked entirely. I thought it was very complimentary and it did give it that sort of modern feel because much as I love Tristan Carey's originally scored work, it needed something a bit more for a modern audience. You can't have these abstract electronic sounds. It needed something melodic and I think Mark did a great job that that went along with it. Am I the only yeah. one in thinking this? I, I, I think, I think it really complemented. There were, there were. I mean, it's, it's an editor's nightmare. This. There were bits that sometimes I felt there was maybe taking over a wee bit too much, and the balance wasn't quite right. But I don't know what the timescales were for putting this kind of thing together. I imagine they were horrendous. Yeah. But I, th I think the other thing is, you know, if you got somebody to sit down and look and listen, look and watch the original and look and watch what they've done 
um, it would be chalk and cheese. You, you wouldn't say, oh, I prefer the original. You would be going, oh, no, actually, I quite like this. I think it's really unfair to, to have a go um, and say, say things like that to people who have worked so hard on it because I know how difficult it is. I mean, people probably assume that, oh, well, all this audio is separate, all this is separate, I can just lift that, I can just lift that, and, and guarantee, no, they're trying to. Um, you, there is no magic button that says, lift John Lennon's um, voice from this tape. You know, although as much as they say there is, there's a lot of work in that. So I think I think it, it complemented well. I think it could do with a little bit of tweaking. But that's just every editor will tell you that they'll look at somebody else's work and say, "Well, we could change that," and it's all very subjective. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was only really the scene with the lift that I remember stopping and saying, "No, there's something about." That this that I don't know has become too obtrusive, and it, it just kind of that was the only time that I thought, no, hang on a minute, I'm not quite sure about this. But the rest of it, I thought was great, as you said, Stevie. Do we have any favourite moments? Because I think like the the creature rising out of the swamp and scarrow was fantastic. I thought that looked really, really good. Yeah, um, I like the original meeting of Barbara and the stalk. We know it's a Dalek, but we also know it's a, a camera camera dolly with a stock in it. But actually, to see that in colour and to see it fairly sharp was lovely. And to see the Daleks roll out, I think I, um, my favourite bit with with the Herodian, yeah, you know, mm, Daleks, mm, doorway, mm, Daleks, mm, doorway, mm, Daleks. I'll just let them know I'm going to run towards that doorway. Um, it's always made me laugh. But that little kind of theme where he gets zapped and everything else, so full of colour, so full of Daleks being there. You imagine there's more than four of them, three or four of them. I can't remember how many there were in the original. And uh, yeah, that's one of my my favourite bits. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the the early shots in the TARDIS. You know, that that was one of my favourite bits. But I, I, I also like the way it seemed to start off in black and white and then make the transition to... Mm. the colour um, and it, it, it reminded me of that the way that, that William Hartnell um, always described you know the Doctor as being like a cross between the Wizard of Oz and Santa Claus um, and it felt that little kind of nod to the Wizard of Oz that kind of transition that makes you go oh wow you know and it was beautifully established as you were saying Kenny in the shots of the the Dalek City you know that was that was really good really uh, really well done and, and of course, just to see the Daleks in, in colour or the classic uh, TV yeah. Daleks in colour was just great you could have overdone the city you could have thought listen let's just CGI it let's take what we had in mm -hmm. the Peter Capaldi episodes and let's um, use that instead and it's nice that they've kept all the hard work from previously and haven't just gone oh you know, we'll make it. We'll make it better. We'll make it different. You know, no, give give people that credit. A bit like what they did with Star Trek. I don't know if you'd, either of you have watched the the remastered stuff. You know, the 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 remastered streams that you get now online have more or less done the special effects shot for shot. So they've put in a CGI Enterprise CGI planets, but it's not to say, oh look, we've got CGI now. We can do all this. There's one or two times they do it, but it's more or less saying what was there before. Let's recreate it. Mm -hmm. And 
I think it was nice that they they were using the the city. They weren't replacing just for the sake of it. What's, sorry, what's this thing you're talking about? Space trip, space trek, space trip. Yeah, <laughs> Babylon sixty four. Kenny, I need to introduce you mm-hmm. to that. Do you remember okay. that? No. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nightclub, isn't it? Uh, it is. Five. We we need to get Kenny into Babylon Five. He'd absolutely enjoy it. Ian Levine's a big fan of it as well. Some of us like it. Anyway, why don't we have a quick pause, gents, and hear from two of the people who were involved in creating this version. We've got a chat with Ben Cook, who was the editor of the whole project, and also Rich Tipple, who led the colorization team. So let's hear from them. Yes, hello, my name is Benjamin Cook, and I edited The Daleks in Colour, which feels like a very long time ago, because I had to do my bit of the job over a year ago so that Rich and his team could start the really painstaking, interesting stuff of bringing it to life in colour. I've sort of introduced you there as well, Rich, by mistake. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's okay. Um, I'm, I'm Rich, uh, Rich Tipple, and I'm the lead colourisation artist on The Daleks. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on for a wee chat, because having watched your magnificent work three times since broadcast, um, I love it. So let's wind the clock back, since Ben, you mentioned that obviously you had to get the edit ready before Rich and his team could begin. So how did the whole thing come about? Well, it started when Russell T. Davis, initially when Russell messaged me and he sort of said in the same breath, both that he was coming back to Doctor Who and he was going to be show running, you know, uh, the show for, for a whole new era. David Tennant and Catherine Tate were coming back, a, a, a new doctor after that. There'd probably be a streaming partner. All these amazing plans, he sort of told me in, in the space of a few days at the beginning of January 2021, I think. Um, and, and sort of in the same breath, he said, and I want to revitalize the archive that was sort of part two of his plan he really wanted everything up on iplayer and he wanted to do whatever he could to bring especially 60s doctor who which is a bit less accessible than some of the 70s and 80s stuff he felt and i think he's right he wanted to bring that to life for a whole new audience today's you know 12 year old or 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 seven year old Uh, and so part of that was let's cut let's colorize the daleks uh, I mean, I think he initially said, let's colorize all of it, all of 1960s Doctor Who. And we're like, sit down, calm down. Uh, let, let's take one at a time. Uh, but yes, we started with the Daleks and and it was, you know, a painstaking process, uh, which would have been even more painstaking if we hadn't have sort of edited it down to a nice tight 75 minute blockbuster as well, which is what we did. Yeah, and you certainly have. And at what point did you come on board, Rich? Well, I came on board uh, January 2022, sort of unofficially. Um, I got a phone call um, out of the blue um, from a guy called Josh, Josh Thomas, who works uh, for Bad Wolf, um, I think, as an executive assistant. Really, really, really talented guy, actually. He uh, went on, he's been directing those Tale of the TARDIS things, which were amazing. So, yeah, very cool. But uh, my phone went in January 2022 um, and it was someone saying, hey, um, Phil Collinson of Bad Wolf would like to have a chat with you about your colorization work. And yeah, obviously, yeah, I think I've said this a few times uh, now on various podcasts, but I thought it was a it was a bit of a wind up um, and waited for it to be followed up with an email. 
uh, which it probably was. And yeah, it all checked out. So I ended up jumping on a, a Zoom and then I yeah drove up to Cardiff and met Phil Collinson and Joel Collins for, for a chat. So exciting to be involved with official Doctor Who. I suppose, Ben, over the years, you've done enough interviews and worked with Russell on the writer's tale, but... I've, you're right, I've done it now. I should stop. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose then, to suddenly find yourself involved in an official Doctor Who project for the telly, that just must have been so exciting. Yeah, it's yeah, it, escalating over the year, didn't it? Like, we, we sort of, we started work and then, and, and then you know, some way in... We were told that it would be on television for sure, and then we were told it was going to be the anniversary for sure, and then we were told that that you know we were going to that the BBC liked the work that we'd done, particularly Rich and his team had done enough to to say that we could do another one next year, which we're currently working on. So it kept uh, it kept getting better and better, didn't it, Rich? Really? Yeah, it did. It was just it was sort of snowballed sort of snowballed and it was just became this sort of unstoppable excitement in my life and I couldn't quite believe what was happening I mean um, Ben um, is has been sort of doing this sort of stuff I think for a while now probably I imagine has as Russell and, and Phil on speed dial but me working working with with Phil and, and, and you know whatsapping Ben every day with this that and the other sort of thoughts I was having about the colorization was such a thrill that I just couldn't quite believe it was happening it was real um, and then you know on top of that you get the news that it's actually going to be on TV and then you find out it's going to be on you know the 23rd of November and then you find out it's going to be DVD and steelbook and all of this sort of stuff yeah. and it just just gets it's just ridiculous it comes to a point where you, you're just not sure if actually you know did something happen to me in January 2022 and this has all been some sort of strange fever dream since but yeah it's been absolutely incredible I mean thank god though really because it's it's really hard work and so it uh, you know uh, I mean more so for Rich and his team than, than me really um, but it, it's you do realise I mean we've had conversations where it, it feels very much like the same show that they were struggling to make in the 1960s and 70s and I, I mean even when we were about to sort of we thought the work on the Daleks was done and we were publicising it pre-transmission suddenly the BBC asked us for some publicity photo photographs and that's when we had to sort of tell them oh there aren't actually many publicity photographs from the Daleks and there certainly aren't many in colour and so you start sort of digging around in the archives and looking at paperwork and trying to find you know and, and sort of wishing that they'd done more photo shoots in the Nove you know, November and December of 1963 suddenly their production problems become your production problems and you realize that it's all just the same show and still everyone's trying to figure out how to make it and even on this it's like this is a production that wrapped almost 60 years ago and yet we're still sat here going well yeah but how do we make it accessible for an audience who are going to be watching it on telly in a few weeks time which is the exact same conversations that Verity Lambert and William Hartnell and, and Sidney Newman would have been having 60 years ago so it's rather you know it's rather lovely that we're all part of the same team uh, he says comparing himself to William Hartnell and Sidney Newman uh, but you know it's also uh, sort of you know it's it's you realize how exhausting it is to make to make Doctor Who. It must have been quite a task going through seven episodes and then working out what's going to stay and what's going to go. Yeah, I mean, quite quite a task. I mean, you've sort of, you've got to you've got to be bold about it. You've got to own it. Rich and his team did the same with with the colours. We you know we we 
We paid close attention. They paid close attention to the original colours of things on set at the time and then ignored half of it and went with the colours that would look best. And I had to sort of do the same with the edit. You, you, you can't be too precious about going, oh, yeah, but this is the moment where... You know, I, I cut from from episode one that one of one of the first sort of big cuts I made was Doctor Who's first ever monster. The what's it called? The magnet, not magnetron. What's it called? Magnodon. The Magnodon. Yeah. That's it. And it's it's you know it's scary enough for one shot, but then essentially it's just a silver, is a extra what do they call it? A, a corpse. It's a corpse. Uh, and so that went. But also the the fan bit of your brain is going, oh, but it's Doctor Who's first ever monster. So. But also it slows the story and it delays things and you just want to get into the Dalek city as quickly as possible. But it does feel kind of sacrilegious when you're cutting Doctor Who's first ever monster and, and you know, losing the TARDIS food machine and all sorts sort of ends up on the on the cutting room floor. But you've got to, you've got to own it. We were making this for a 2020s audience. We weren't making it for Ian Levine. And I think from my point of view, um, anyone who sort of enjoys colorizing Doctor Who probably isn't going to fall into the, the bucket of purist anyway. So I always sort of enjoyed looking at things differently and seeing them reworked. I've watched sort of never a 1960s episode, but I, I've watched sort of omnibus edits of uh, Doctor Who stories before and really enjoyed them. Um, so I was so excited to sit down uh, for the first time and watch watch Ben's work. I, I just I was so excited to see what stayed in, what didn't, how the story would sort of roll, you know, how the cuts would be, sort of some of the scenes, how are you going to paper over all those difficult edits, you know, when you've just got mid shots to work with and all that sort of stuff. So I was I was fascinated to see how Ben would go about it. And I remember sitting down um, and just watching the 75 minutes start to finish, just then rewinding it and watching it again. It was just amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Well, what's particularly tricky is that you're doing an edit where a, a fair chunk of the audience watching will have seen the rushes they'll have seen the original footage as it were you know it's like normally with most things people if 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 you were there on production you might know that that scene's been cut or or that moment's adr but most people watching wouldn't wouldn't know whereas a chunk of the audience will have seen the original version of the Daleks and it might only be you know five percent ten percent of the audience but they'll know what you've cut they'll be looking for those edit points you know that's quite daunting so just wondering which how did you assemble your team of colorization avengers how many did you have and feel free to name check them all uh, there was four of us in in total um so uh, it was you know it was a very easy decision really like you know something like this is a huge undertaking going from doing it as a fan and having six months to spend on a three minute clip it's a very different proposition to having to nail 75 minutes in 10 and a half months or something so i worked with first off people i knew um so i i got kieran hyman and scott burdett signed up we had all worked together um on day of armageddon with a guy called justin watson he's a very talented bloke so us three were sort of there um, and I thought, well, we're definitely still going to need a, a fourth. So um, it was uh, quite easy, really, just having a quick look around. And I reached out to um, that's Cromer, otherwise known as Timothy K. Brown, and asked if he'd be interested in, in joining the team. And thankfully he was. And, and that was the four of us ready to go. 
Fantastic. And of course, you'd probably all be NDA'd, NDA'd up to the eyeballs from the word go. <laughs> yes. You, you, we, we, I said, I've got this thing. You're going to have to sign this NDA and then I can tell you about it. And, you know, they, they're not silly. They see an NDA, they see who the NDA is from. Um, and, you know, it's back within 15 minutes. <laughs> you know, they are, they're very excited to know what this is about, but all of them have been, have been absolute heroes. Um, Scott, he didn't breathe a word and kept it entirely secret from his wife when she came into the room he closed the laptop like she had absolutely no idea until the news was announced by the official doctor who account on social media i didn't know that that's crazy yeah. that's yeah. dedication to ndas yeah it's abs- it was absolutely phenomenal i mean really none of us does he really have a wife <laughs> i have i've met her she's she's absolutely lovely uh, and yeah didn't breathe a word of it which i thought was um exceptional but yeah i mean obviously we all took the ndas extremely seriously of course we did it doctor who you want it to be exciting you want it to be a surprise you want it to be you know just something that you're all in together um and you want to share that excitement when it is finally announced so yeah that that was really cool but um having that team together um learning um how how tim works that was that was a really exciting thing um but Kieran, uh, Scott and I just sort of fell into the rhythm um, that we were working in when we did uh, the master plan fan stuff. So, yeah, it was really easy. Fantastic. His wife must have had so many suspicions about what on earth is he doing, closing his computer so quickly for yeah, her. Really when that press release came out and she found out he wasn't having an affair, he was just <laughs> colorizing Daleks for a year. <laughs> so at what point Ben did the idea of bringing some new material come into the whole project do, do you know I mean I got to give credit to Mark Ayres really for it, it became quite apparent uh, sort of quite soon into the edit that there were various points where it would be really useful I mean we would have ADR'd tons of, you know we would have recorded additional dialogue for tons and tons of this you know, were you know, if we'd had William Hartnell on on speed dial, uh, that would have been amazing. But we didn't, and so we had to pl- sort of pull all sorts of tricks, every trick in the book. But the useful thing with Daleks is that you can sort of get them delivering quite a bit of additional dialogue, explaining bits of plot that you've cut out reasonably straightforwardly by repurposing other shots and just putting in some extra Dalek lines. So my original thought was, well, in all sorts of places we can get the voice of the Daleks, Nicholas Briggs, uh, and a mate of mine as well, I, I love Nick, we can get him in to record some extra lines of Dalek dialogue. It was Mark who said, well, how about before that we go back to one of the original two voices of the Daleks, David Graham, who, uh, along with Peter Hawkins, recorded Dalek voices for this first Dalek serial back in the 60s. But David Graham is still alive and he's 98 and he has uh, the most incredible sort of TV career behind him. He's Grandpa Pig, isn't he, I think, Rich in Pepper. I don't watch Pepper. Pig. He is. Oh, Rich you're missing does. out. He's brilliant. Yeah. Because uh, Rich has kids, I should explain. That is why he watches Peppa Pig. And he was he was Parker in Thunderbirds, David Graham, a, a, and all sorts of things. So, so uh, yeah, Russell wrote some additional lines of Dalek dialogue, largely to paper over, you know, cracks in, in you know, in, in, the, in the narrative to smooth things over in the edit. And then one day, a few weeks before this aired on, on, on TV, Mark Ayres and myself went to... David Graham's house and, and spent a couple of hours with him and his carer recording brand new Dalek voices and I got to play the doctor opposite David Graham 
So I got to do my best William Hartnell because someone obviously had to read in the lines and I made sure it was me. And then uh, Nick uh, Briggs also recorded some Dalek dialogue for us as well. So there were scenes where we have Nick Briggs and, and David Graham talking with each other, sort of bestriding the eras, which I just think is the loveliest thing. Uh, and also, like, hopefully, hopefully you can't tell if it's, if it's seamless enough in most places in the edit, most people won't be able to tell where we've put those additional scenes and, and additional bits of Dalek dialogue in there. I mean, who am I kidding? Doctor Who fans will know. I'm sure it's going to be on TARDIS wiki within six six months. <laughs> Including the exact time. The exact timings. Well, someone put... it was. I, I should get the name of the person who did this, right? Someone put together within about 24 hours of this airing. Who does those amazing infographics? It's Paul... Uh, Paul Paul M.C. Smith, I don't know if, you've, if you're aware of his work. He did an amazing, he called it Reduction of the Daleks, and he did this incredible infographic showing you know, episode by episode of the, of the seven-part original Dalek serial, which shots I'd used uh, from, from which episode and, and what percentages I'd used of each episode to make up this 75-minute edit. It, it's an amazing graphic, and I want to print it out and put it on my wall, uh, and Doctor Who fans are... And nothing if not amazing. Diligent. Diligent. You can't hide anything from Doctor Who fans. <laughs> so, Rich, how did it come to divvying up the work beside, you know, to decide who was going to do what? And I assume you were given a nice remastered version from Peter Crocker. I was, yes. Ben's um, excellent edit went over to Peter, who um, upscaled it. I believe it upscaled it. I probably got that term wrong. He did something with it that made it look amazing, and then it came, then it came my way. Um, and yeah, I divvied it up. I just tried to play to people's strengths um, in terms of what scenes to give them, and I did want to divide it up by scene because that seemed the most sensible way to keep consistency um, across the whole thing. So, yeah, a lot of the sort of hardest and cell scenes stuff where the lighting's really really even and you have loads of character work that went to tim oh all of the really sort of complicated jungle stuff that had to go to kieran because i just knew he would make that jungle feel absolutely incredible and i'd wanted to see what he'd do with the swamp monster mostly um and then um Scott is just really, really good at working um, in the dark, basically. So uh, it's a real skill colorizing stuff that is, you know, has really bright spots of light, but is otherwise quite dark. So he had the, you know, he, he got a really tough gig. He had to do that, the sort of the radiation room just before the big Dalek reveal. Um, and he had well, to do that. The equipment room was a nightmare. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite dramatic. Let's call it dramatically lit in the original, isn't it? But, but it's, it's sort of quite poorly lit really and so what you did you worked wonders with it because it was a, a, one of those scenes that I couldn't even help you in the edit we couldn't really cut it as a sense no it was one it's so in, it's so essential isn't it you know this is yeah. the big you know it's where they realized you know they've got radiation poisoning and the, and the doctor lied to get them there you know it's so it's crucial to the plot so it couldn't go but you've got all these characters walking in and out of really really harsh lighting yeah. um, and, and the lighting is so bright in, in so many instances not just in this scene but across the Daleks where it burns the features out like you can barely see anything in some instances so you're, you're going from that and not being able to see anything to sort of 
them them dipping into the dark where you couldn't really see anything so finding the sort of balance constantly with each character as everyone's moving um really really difficult but i think scott did tremendous work on that and the caves as well which was another one of his uh, his scenes and i picked up all the the dalek cities because i just love doing daleks so i just made sure i did all of them pretty much all of them not quite all of them yeah Ben, I'd imagine that getting some new, gra- like the TARDIS materialising, getting that, getting to be able to sort of request that, I'd imagine, would have been quite fun as well. So you're sort of creating new moments as well, not just new dialogue, but actual new visuals as well. Yeah, I think it was Phil's idea to, or maybe Russell's, to update the the, the Dalek sort of, uh, what do we call them? Extermination rays, Dalek, the Dalek, you know, the, the fiery, the pew-pew things. Um, and that sort of then escalated to we, we realized we needed some sort of opening shot because frustratingly, as you know, the original opening to episode one, they decided back in, you know, back at the time to shoot it at the first sort of 20, 30 seconds in a weird sort of solarized sort of, you know, alien sort of, I mean, bless them for trying, but it's notable that they never tried that again. Uh, for, for the next sort of 60 years because it didn't quite work. So we sort of needed, we were trying to work out ways to edit around it. And then we thought, well, we'll leave it in, we'll, em- we'll, we'll embrace it, but we need we need some sort of spectacular opening shot. And it's still one of my favorite shots of the of the entire thing, you know, uh, that that sort of that shot of the of the Dalek city. And then we sort of plunge down, down, down through the through the trees, through the trees to find the TARDIS materializing, which is something you never get a clear shot of in the original and all of that is Alex from painting practice doing doing amazing VFX work and then yes there's a few TARDIS materializing shots in there as well and what else do we have some shots of of the of the Dalek city from later on where we can just sort of hopefully not not you know still in in the spirit of the original sort of amazing model shots from the Daleks and there's a lots of those in the edit as well but we've been able to sort of have the camera sort of sweeping over the the, the 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 rooftops of that Dalek city in the rain as we as we sort of head towards the the, the cliffs and, and and things which again hopefully don't stick out too much as being 2020s additions but also things they wouldn't have quite been able to achieve especially with the time and money that they had that they had you know back in in uh, in 1963 or 64. I remember watching one of your early edits, Ben, where we had, I think, the TARDIS materialization in there that appears in the Daleks. And it's just such a... They're obviously still trying to work out how to do it themselves. Then. Yeah. I mean, this is so early in the, in the show's history. So, um, you know, it, it, they had a really, really close shot and it wasn't quite working. It was kind of weirdly framed and it just sort of faded off and it, just, it wasn't quite right. But I think we ended up getting um, Jonathan Picard um, his his TARDIS model, which is an absolutely amazing heart, or really authentic, really, really so much detail in there that's used on the collection box sets. Um, so I think we used his model for that. It's very good. It certainly is. It certainly is. Uh, something, Rich, that I thought was outstanding was the, the thing that made me smile quite a bit was the fact that you've obviously tapped into the Dalek movies for some of the colorization for the jungle, which I thought was great. A lovely wee nod. Uh, for those who get it, of course, and I thought it was um, also inside the city, just all those different colours and the fact that it was just colour, 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 sort of, you've got the chance to do it. So it's beautiful, all the control panels, everything like that. And that must have been 
good fun to do sort of just to say this is how they would have done it if it had been made particularly if it was like an like you look at what thunderbirds stingray things like that when they have these colors my goodness you see them yeah well that was you know that was the, a big influence for us as was um sort of batman and lots of stuff from the sort of 60s we really liked those colors we could have gone for a much easier palette <laughs> we really could have done but instead we went for something that was quite difficult um but we felt would look the best one of the biggest challenges really was working out what colors to use that would look consistently good across the whole thing the sets between episodes you know that are constantly being rearranged um but the biggest problem is the lighting um if you have a look at the uh, the set where the doctor's being interrogated right at the start and he has to stand in the in the sort of pink light you put him in the set is the same colors as the set when you go straight to the end and you look at the big battle sequences but it looks completely different because the lighting's completely different so suddenly a lot of those bold colors are really standing out so it was it was quite fun to sort of work out what colour would be too much but is still bright enough for you to see in those early scenes when it's really dark. Um, so yeah, it was fun. It was, it was, it was you know, a labour of love. You know, we love these things. And, you know, we leaned on the movie a lot for the sort of, you know, brassy elements of the walls and, and what have you. I insisted that the Dalek uh, control room was, was had blue floors because I always feel that Dalek control room should have blue floors. <laughs> and I, I, I felt that looked really good and really compliment complemented the hemispheres and the Daleks too so yeah it was great fun well so if you're going to do something in colour you want it to be I mean you want it to be in colour you want it to be as colourful as possible uh, there, there's you know going back and, and looking at some of those original production photographs that were in colour it's quite muted isn't it a, a lot of that that sort of Dalek set there's sort of blues and greys and 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 if we're presenting it for a 2020s audience and you go on iPlayer and it's still, I think it still says the Daleks in colour. It's there in the title. You want it to be an explosion of colour. And so though I, I love those bright blues and, and golds and, and the petrified jungle. I mean, yes, by, by probably by the logic of the story, it should all be a weird sort of chalky, washed out white and grey, shouldn't it? But I mean why would you want the forest to look like that it should be an absolute explosion of color and it is it just looks uh it looks fantastic and for me and for, for russell and, and for phil i mean because our sort of part of the job had largely you know been done a, a, a year ago with the edit and and giving rich and his team feedback on on the the sort of the color palettes the joy for us was then over the course of a year just every five or six weeks you know uh every month we'd, we'd get sent through some some more minutes of footage uh just to sort of you know watch and then message each other and say how amazing it is because it was you know i mean what a joy for a, a year of just getting five minutes of full color 1960s doctor who in your inbox every month it was a, an absolute joy then if you could put one scene back in that never made it into the final cut what would you choose that's a good question. Uh, do you know I'd uh, I'd put in there was a there was a bit which uh, we cut like what the, what's his name Al Aladon makes his decision to help the Doctor and Co go back to the city to get that fluid link. He makes that decision a little bit too quickly for my liking. Uh, there was a, there was an extra sort of minute or so, and I think it was only a minute where we 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 cut to him, sat with uh, Dione, the the Thal, 
I think, uh, sort of ju just, I, I don't think he even had any dialogue, but it, it cut to him at night, just sat by, you know, sat somewhere in the forest, just deep in thought while there was a conversation. The doctor was nattering away behind him, I think. Uh, but uh, I, I, I quite liked the mood of that. And it just gave us a slight breather and it gave us a moment where, where we could sort of see this man, this leader, uh, troubled in turmoil making a difficult judgment call as is he makes that ju same judgment call but just a lot faster and that's fine you want to get back into the dalek city but i do i do slightly miss uh, the tormented night of of aladon even though it was only about 60 seconds in the end so probably probably that otherwise there's not much there's not much that i miss is that a terrible thing to say no i don't think it is it's, you've done your job <laughs> you've, you've got it working so Something for the special edition, anyway, Ben, along with the food machine. Yeah, as if, oh, yeah, <laughs> and the Magnodon machine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I've never missed the mag. I've never missed the Magnodon. Never really missed the food machine. Yeah, I mean, we could we could put in some more cave stuff and drive rich and, and <laughs> Scott Poor Tim, Scott. insane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's lots of people online who were going, oh, so did you did you colorize the whole thing and then cut it down, or, or did you cut it down first? And bless him. Uh, but no, no, we, we we had to cut it first or it would have killed I'm a little him. bit worried they don't quite understand how much goes into colorizing 75 minutes, let alone 175. No, well, let's just release an extra five, ten minutes in color on the, on the Blu-ray or DVD. Like, yeah, I, I, that's an extra few months of work. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we can do that. I would imagine there'd be some real delight for you when you got your feedback from Russell, Phil, and the rest of the team. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, no. I mean, it, it was. I, I've I've known Russell for years. We did the writers' tale books together, and actually, we did something a few years ago called Tofu, which was very different to the Daleks. It was a documentary for Channel Four about sex. In fact, that could not be more different than the Daleks. Uh, but it, but it could. Uh, it's always, you know, a thrill to to get to get feedback from Russell T. Davis, from Phil Collinson, talking about, well, what is it? In an edit, what you're really talking about is story. Uh, and, and these are two people who, who for years and years live and breathe story. I mean, people know Russell's body of work, but Phil too is, is I mean, he was, he, was, he was producer of Coronation Street for a number of years. That's a show that, that eats up story and, and characters and, and and actually has to deal with all sorts of last minute panics because, you know, an actor falls ill and so they have to rewrite an entire bit of plot. And it's quite an old cast coronation treat as well. So actors are always falling ill. And so th these are people who really understand the, the dynamics and the, and the beats of what makes, you know, narratives work. And so I think I'd, I'd got in my, my initial pass, I think, was about 81, 82 minutes or something. But then you know, what what a gift to have someone like Russell or someone like Phil come in and it was Russell who went, Oh well actually if we just if we cut the bit where Susan writes a letter and which never made sense, that bit where she's writing a letter for the Thals. I mean, why can't they why can't they write it themselves? If they manage to print out little stickers that say danger that they can stick on bits of their machinery in the Dalek City, why can't they just forge a letter? Uh, but it but it takes someone with Russell's sort of clarity to go we can just we can cover it in a line you can save three or four minutes of, of of your edit by cutting the bit where susan writes a letter and they send it to the forest and then they wait to hear back just by having a dalek deliver one you know david graham deliver one line about let's forge a letter from the young girl or something you know done easy um and so it's often pointing out that the 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 
the obvious stuff, except it's not obvious. You, you, you need someone of of Russell's ability, of Phil's ability to come in and and and, and give you those story notes. Um, how did you find that their, their their feedback, Rich? Yeah, it was really good. I re- I really enjoyed receiving it. I'm one of these sort of um, fragile creative people who who um, it, you know it, you could get hundreds of positive comments, but it'll be the one negative thing that sort of like sticks and stays with you. So I I've done this thing um, throughout my career pretty much forever where if you know i get some really good feedback on a particular project i just write it down and i stash it away somewhere so that when i'm having a really bad time and i'm really struggling to get through an edit or whatever it is i'm working on i can go back to that and be like no I'm, this is right i am doing the right thing this is this is what okay you're about to say that you go back to that and you you, you send those comments to the haters <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be this bad. is what somebody said said about me three and a half years ago so. that's level that's next yeah. level no 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 These it's just it, it's one of those things just to rebalance my psyche if i worry that i'm getting a bit too much you know in in my own head so it, what was really good is i i got some really really lovely comments from from russell and phil um mostly via ben and ben would say lovely things and i'd write them down and i'd work out these are the things i can go back to when i get that email that says sorry that's not right this isn't working this bit's got to change you know what um but that email never actually landed like i think because we did so much preparation and we spent you know i think four to six weeks or something sending character palettes and set palettes and all these different things over to describe how things would look that when we did send things over there were very few changes because it was pretty much in line with expectations what the color was going to be um so that helped i think that that really helped um they you know there, there wasn't so oh my god you've made that thing blue or green or pink or whatever they knew what was coming because we did all of that sort of heavy lifting early doors um, but no it was it was great i mean just you know waking up and finding an email from from ben or, or phil and you know going through what i've just sent over I would always have the fear. I'd read the email about 10 times, close my eyes and send it, and then worry for 24 hours that what I've sent is the worst thing they will ever have seen in their lives. You know, until the email comes back saying, looks good, what's your plan for this or whatever. And I'm <laughs> flooded with relief. But yeah, you know, that's just the way these things go. I mean, also what was particularly lovely is that we were, you know, when was it? Three or four months away from the thing being finished when the BBC said... We'll, we'll have another one, please. And, you know, I, I mentioned that earlier, but but it's, it's, it is important to say it, it, that that was because of the work that, that the color, colorization team had done. You know, this was being shown to, to people at BBC Four who I, I'm sure loved Doctor Who, but, but possibly hadn't seen the original version of the Daleks. They weren't watching this, you know, for, for, for my edit or, or Mark's music and sound design hadn't been done by then. This was Phil and Russell showing bbc4 commissioners clips of how glorious it looks in color and bbc4 months away from it actually airing going this is so good we'll have another one please uh that that is testament to the work that that you know that that rich and and kieran and scott and tim did incredible fantastic how close to transmission was the whole project completed terrifyingly close i think like we were we had the producers playback 
when I think it'd all been just about colorized by then, just a few days before. Uh, but but there were still sort of sound cues and things to put in. And that was, was it maybe 10 days before it went on TV? When, when was your, I remember the day that you did, I don't remember the date, but I remember that. I remember the feeling when you emailed it that was 100% done. I'm sure you remember that feeling too. That was a, that was a glorious email with an awful lot of emojis um, and possibly quite unprofessional. But yes, that was, um, that was a wonderful day. That was Halloween, the 31st. Um, so yeah, we, that was when the colorization element was done. Um, but if you, you know, if you think this was you know, broadcast on the 23rd and there was a lot to do um on the online um so yeah a testament to the to the team at bad wolf and painting practice for the incredible work they were able to do in those last couple of weeks to get everything up and out and online and and you know broadcast ready but as deadlines go it's quite a uh, uh, quite a cool one, quite a daunting one uh, to, know, to know it's going out on the television for hundreds of thousands of people to watch. I mean, there's no, you've just, you can't, BBC4 weren't going to wait for us. It had to be ready. Terrifying. I thought it'd be close, but I didn't realise it'd be that close. But uh, and now it's, of course, it's been broadcast to claim you know, everybody on our podcast absolutely loves it. And of course, you've got a physical release on the way. So do you have any particular favourite colourised scenes each that you're, you look at and go, that's fantastic. I'm sure you both could put different ones for different reasons. For me, I, I mean, I, I love all of it, obviously, uh, but, but I'm the, the bit I think I've replayed more than any other bit is that battle at the end between the Daleks and the Thals, because it's the bit that I think we've managed to elevate the most through the uh, through the colorization, of course, through the editing, through the sound design, through the music, the original. I'm choosing my words carefully. Uh, they, it was they were seven weeks into the shoot, and they they were they were tired, and they'd run out of 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 money, and they were learning how to make Doctor Who. Um, but also, there, there were there were there were moments where. Richard Martin just isn't pointing his camera in the right direction. That uh, it was a it was a nightmare to edit, and and to watch it now, it it just it feels so completely exciting, uh, and it's all departments firing in all cylinders. I think it's a it's a pretty solid bit of editing, and and the color looks amazing, and the VFX, and the and the, and the sound design, and, and you know the works. Um, so, so I love that sequence, and and the other bit I'd, I'd I'd mention is where we've got Susan sort of running through the forest to the TARDIS, because that is that is Rich and his team making it look so sort of deceptively easy. By that point in in the story, your brain has hopefully forgotten that this was ever in black and white, so you're just watching it as if it's always been in color, and yet that that the skill where you've got You've got sort of flashing studio lights to replicate lightning, and how the that the the lightning effects and the and the the constantly fluctuating light makes different bits of shrubbery and plants and trees look different colours. I mean, it's it's mind-bogglingly difficult to work out how they colourize that and make it look so not just so good, but so sort of consistently good and follow an internal logic in terms of colour and light within the scene it's amazing and i also i i, I you know uh, unashamedly love 
love the editing in that sequence as well. But I could go on for ages. What what, what are your favourite bits of your work, Rich? Well, I just want to say I think you're doing yourself a massive disservice describing the edit as solid um, for that <laughs> end scene. That I recently went back and um, and and watched the the battle at the end, and it is completely different in the Daleks in colour. Is it, it, it's what you've done there is really really special it's incredible how it keeps the pace up and how suddenly you've got thousands dropping from the ceiling and running left and right you've got the doctor ducking as laser beams go over him like none of that you know that it just feels like an adrenaline fueled ending like a massive final battle and for some reason that didn't quite feel the same way to me when i watched the seven parter the, probably the pacing probably the edit yeah. probably the music probably lots of things but yeah I, I i i think that's one of my favorites too big fan of um what's being referred to online as the heist really really love that just because it, it's quite fun as well there's there's sort of three artists involved there there's stuff that i made originally for youtube two years ago that made it into the edit and then tim was sort of doing the bits that were spliced in between my old colorizations and he had to match the color so technically that was quite quite tricky for him to do but he, he did it absolutely perfectly i love susan's wink it's so cheeky and it's so fun um and then it goes to kieran's stuff at the top of the elevator shaft and it all just it's it's seamless and I, I think you know i'm very proud of how that had three different artists working on it and it it, it flows so well I'm, I'm proud of that the other bit i've rewatched a lot I won't lie, is that montage at the end, which I, was my idea. I really wanted to do it. I, I think, I can't remember. I must have asked you beforehand, Rich, whether it was something that was even possible because for the sake of 30 seconds, so much work. Because because it, it, it's not just that it was 30 seconds more to colorize, but it but it's, it's however many, it's three or four dozen different shots and setups and working out what color the Doctor would have been wearing in the web planet and what color, it, it, Richard the the what's it would have been in the crusade and it, it's oh what what a monumental amount of work but we also knew that it was the clip that would go viral it was it was sort of a showcase for well if you let us do more of these this is what the rest of the Hartnell era could look like in color and, oh. and I absolutely I uh, I love it and we were even able at the very end of that montage to throw forward to the giggle David's regeneration episode with some toy maker shots, which um, which uh, it was you and, and Kieran, wasn't it, uh, Rich? That's who right, yeah. Those shots from, at the time of speaking, yesterday's episode of Doctor Who on the telly. And so I, I, I love that that montage. I think that's uh, it's completely thrilling. That was great for us as well. I mean, we've been working on the same sets and the same characters for, you know, ten and a half months. So suddenly to be doing you know new things in new places that was absolutely thrilling kieran and i did the beatles because i think otherwise there would have been a fight so we shared it <laughs> um it, it, it was so it was so much it was so much fun divvying them up and i think it felt like a bit of a party at the end because no one was going to be allowed to do any of them until the daleks was finished and when the daleks was finished then we could divvy up them and we could have a bit of fun with it and Maybe we we know we chose colours that we wouldn't necessarily choose if we were doing the whole episode, but you know we had twelve frames to fill, so we we were able to have a little bit of a party. You know, I'm... There's missing episodes in there as well, and yeah, it's gorgeous. Oh, I, I was about to say the montage was just a real surprise right at the end, and it caught me completely unawares, and just 
wow, 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 wow. And just seeing all these familiar clips looking brand new and just amazing. And it was just such a, the perfect way to round everything off, I thought. And and then, of course, to get to see the toy maker going out, uh, as we say, last night in colour and for several million people, four million plus people at least, on for overnights, then, wow, that must be really pleasing for you, Rich, to know that so many people have seen your work. Yeah, I haven't. I tried not to think about it really because you know, if you look at these things too long, I start noticing. Oh, is that quite right? Did, is the cheekbone tracking? Is that is? The... But yeah, no, I, I'm 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 really yeah, I'm really proud of it. Again, Kieran and I um, split the work on the toy maker stuff. Um, really happy with how it turned out. You know, William Hartnell in color on BBC One again, amazing. What a thrill and a privilege to be involved in, even a very small way, such an incredible piece of television as The Giggle was. Wow. Fantastic. Now, Ben, you mentioned earlier that you're working on something new. I'm not going to ask you what it is, but how's work going so far? It's going okay. We're, we're the, the, the same sort of stresses uh, and... and uh, and anxieties and you know uh, endless emails about oh how can can we possibly shave an extra 30 seconds off there or what color should you know that bit of you know i'm tempted to say of marco polo's costume or something uh, <laughs> no they haven't really discovered marco polo and if they did we wouldn't be colorizing it i promise no yeah i mean all, all the normal conversations are going on at the moment uh, about how to make the next one work uh, but it will and we'll get there and and it's it's one of those stories that just like the Daleks I, I'm so excited to be seeing bits of a story that I'm so familiar with in colour for the first time I appreciate you know 60s Doctor Who in colour might not be for everyone there are fans who would much prefer just to see it in black and white uh, and I will say now on the record on this podcast that I think those people are mad I think they're missing out on so much. I absolutely, I, 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 I love seeing sixties Doctor in color. It, it, it brings it to life for me in a, in a, in a way that it's, it's how it is in my, in my head. It's, it's how it was when, when I read the Target books as a kid. When I was reading those Target books, I didn't imagine it in my head in black and white. It was in color. Of course, it was in color. And so, for it to live and breathe again, I'm really heartened by how many people, so, so many of the comments I've read have, have have been saying that now that they're watching it in colour, they can see the subtleties of, particularly I think William Hartnell's performance or Jacqueline Hill's performance, uh, where where you can the subtleties of the, the of the performance suddenly come to life and are, are more noticeable in in colour than they ever were in black and white. So to be doing that all over again with uh with a whole new story um to, to air in in probably about a year's time or whenever we've finished it uh, is just you know what what an honor i can't wait for people to see it what do you have to say about it rich you can't say anything about it can i you? can't say a thing well i can say um that you know um again i'm incredibly lucky to be working with an amazing team of colorizers um it's pre-production at the moment so it's character palettes we're looking at particular sets and we're getting all of those sorts of decisions right but yeah it, it's one of the most creative parts of the project so it's really fun and exciting brilliant 
Well, I can't say I can't say any more than that. I'm not going to ask you to say any more than that. You've given us plenty of there. You've said a lot without saying anything. But hey, I'm still excited. But then again, you know me, Ben. I'm always excited for these things. Uh, if there's one thing I know about you, it's that you're always excited. That is true. I <laughs> know, Ben. Rich, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat and thank you once again for all your fantastic work on it and all the very best with the next one. I'm not going to give you luck because you don't need it because you're brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Kenny. And there we go. Thank you very much. Gents, now what Ben was just saying there about the Dalek battle at the end with the Thals, I think he's absolutely spot on. The pacing of it changes completely. There's a lot more energy to it, whereas before you're watching people in a studio floor sort of moving about slowly so they don't get there before the camera. But whereas this new edit absolutely speeds it up with Dalek guns going off, more exterminations, people coming through the lift shaft or just down the down the down from the, the rope at the ceiling. And yeah, I think it, it really works. I think that made a, a real difference. It felt very 21st century Doctor Who rather than 1963, 64. No, I think I think that's quite right, and I think a lot of stuff is in the edit. A lot of stuff is, I think, uh, much tighter. I mean, let's face it: the original three hours, and that's down to what seventy-three minutes. Uh, but the yeah. whole thing—that—that is—I don't know if you guys have ever edited anything together. That's a tough ask. I've done the odd podcast or two, Stevie. You've done the odd podcast, but you know, <laughs> but, but hey, I have to say I'm not taking I'm not taking it away from you, Kenny. But a, an audio edit. It's so much easier than the video edit. Oh yeah, because you you're just left. You do not have enough to do things with. Yeah. I mean, uh, so yeah, a, a good a good end to to what they what they did, and again with the Dalek guns and and so on. I think um, you know editing your YouTube channel can be quite difficult to get our videos on there, but you know we'll. It's possibly we'll taking it's taking years, isn't it? It is. It's putting years on me as well. Mm-hmm. So, John, what were your thoughts on the, the final battle? Yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, I know I keep saying that like a broken down uh, record, but yeah, it, it was, um, you know, the, the fact that I was not aware really of how much better it was um, is really a tribute to the to the way it was, it was put together. You know, it was much more fluid. It just, yeah, everything about it worked worked much better, really. But I was kind of maybe thinking that some aspects of it, I was still remembering bits of the the uh, the film version of it too. But in terms of the overall edits uh, and and the way that was kind of put together, I thought they 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 made quite good use of flashbacks. Uh, you know, again, that was a, a bit more of the twenty first century storytelling style, uh, and it was kind of sneaked in. In quite a subtle way, I thought, because I was going, was that in the original? No, it couldn't have been in the original. They couldn't have done that. But yeah, it's kind of just a nice kind of storytelling nod to the way that we do things now because of our rather shrunken attention spans. So yeah, I, I, I thought that was good too. I do wonder, though, if they were given the brief, here's all the footage, forget about what went before, forget about the fans going to remember this, that and the other, but to say, create a new edit how that might have flowed even better because I know you've got to look back to the past, people are going to remember what it was they knew they were going to get a cut down version but to take something and re-edit it completely and knowing that you can chuck anything out you want I'd like to see that I think we could have a cracking re-edit of that 
I know history is important. You can't rewrite one word, not one word. But I think that would be a fun thing to see. Yeah. Mm. Did, did they also, I mean, I, I, I've only watched it once and this is reminding me that I need to go back and watch it again and, and, and enjoy it for, for a second time. Am I remembering correctly that the first Billy Fluff we get is to do with the drugs and the gloves? Yes, his um, radiation gloves. Yeah, the radiation gloves. And that's been taken out, is that right? Yes. Yeah. I don't know if I'm saying it, yeah. but it's yeah, also that Johnny Morris makes a joke of it in the Big Finish audio flip flop where the doctor has to go and get his radiation gloves. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so the but there was a bit of me saying, Oh, I didn't I didn't hear the the first kind of proper belly fluff. Um and I'm thinking, oh, you know, is that is that just a little is, is that a bit of restoration too far, you know? Do we need a, that little bit of uh, authenticity in there? But um, it's, it's tricky, but you, you'll still have it in mm. adventure in space and time as well, because they make a big deal. Of course, about ah, it. of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Biggest fan debate though that I've read about, and I don't care, is oh, the TARDIS floor isn't blue. Looks great, uh-huh. though, doesn't it? It looks great. I would also say though. Gosh, they had the same floor of people as the Dalek City people, <laughs> because they must have they must have moved the they must have moved the TARDIS set off that. Ogrons are us. I blame them for their scene shifting. But that was a that was a that was a debate in in the darker corners of the internet. Oh, the TARDIS floor was never blue, and you're thinking, does it does it actually really matter? No, because it, it looks amazing. Nice. Looks amazing, uh-huh. and it looks so big as well. You know, I yeah. think I think. The- the colorization makes it look more expansive. And yeah. it's a funny thing. Yeah. Um, I, I know because of the studios, and sometimes they would just have a wall of the TARDIS and a bit of the console or the console, and that's how they would shoot because they had such extensive sets. They'd obviously decided here that they wanted to make a big thing of the size of the TARDIS for the small amount of time we saw it. So they gave mm-hmm. us as much as possible. And I think the other thing the edit um, gets rid of is the more obvious um, kind of, we're shooting this and we've only got, what is it, four or five cuts we can make in the videotape. That seems to eradicate that. You, we seem to have lost all of that kind of, oh, I must get in front of the camera here, or I must wait for that, or there's a slightly delay. This is all tight, tight, tight. So it runs it runs so much better too. I agree. Mm-hmm. So if you had to pick one story to be colorized next, because we know there is something else coming, and the boys just told us there that they're working on the next one. So what would you like it to be? I haven't a clue what it is. Obviously, everybody's NDA'd up to the eyeballs. So, John, what would you like it to be? Oh, so are we talking first Doctor or second Doctor? First or second, your choice. If it's mono, it's fair game. And it exists, of course. Yeah, because obviously my, my fantasy response to that would be Marco Polo. Goodness knows how they would be able to colorize um, all of those gorgeous costumes, but yeah, that would be my fantasy response to that. I suppose uh, there's a bit of me that says, "Okay, we've done the Daleks, so now how about the Dalek invasion of Earth?" So we have the two kind of companions stories to parallel the the cinematic adventure, but maybe nice historical story. Maybe the Aztecs, 
Yeah, maybe the Aztecs or the war machines, maybe to get that kind of transition into the, I was going to say the late 60s, but not really at all, into the kind of mid 60s, but more that kind of um, unit feel, earthbound story. So yeah, so maybe something like that. I don't know. Stevie, what do you think? I well, I think I probably may get what I want uh, from what I've read, but the War Games was always a favourite of mine, and I'd quite like to see that as... I'm sure I read an interview with somebody about colours and stuff and how they wish it had been in colour, and I, I would like to see that. I I don't need big, bold, brash colours. I would just like to see it in colour, and I'd like to see it cleaned up as much as they, as as much as they can. I mean, we're talking about colourisation here and possibly editing. That would be a tricky one for me because again, it's one that's kind of bumbled about in the background. Once it was available to me, I didn't have to watch it. I knew what was going on. So uh, an edit of that might. And, and that was my problem with the Daleks a wee bit, you know, uh, it, I would still go back to the original if I wanted to have the whole story as I was cleaning the house, because it would just, I knew exactly what was happening. Uh, you must so have won hell of a big house, Stevie, for <sighs> seven parts. Yeah, I, just, I, just, I just live in a in, in a, a mire of computers and cables, Kenny, as you know. <laughs> it takes a lot of cleaning up. Mm, interesting, because I mean, my I think my, my first reaction was that you, Stevie, the war games... But other ones, I'd, I'd say, John, I agree with you. The war machines, I think, would look fantastic to get groovy swinging London and possibly even the Seeds of Death, given that it was the first BBC video that I got back in the day that was in black and white. And it'd be quite nice to see some ice warriors lumbering around. And yeah, I think that could edit down quite nicely as well. But we shall see, because basically because I just want to hear some more of the the computer going, Commander Radnor, dispatch complete. And stuff like that, because that just makes me laugh. We know what to get Kenny for Christmas. Yeah, John Whitty, computer voice. I think he's dead, though. So you can't say, don't send me John Whitty in the post, please. That'd be quite scary. No, we'll we'll, we'll stop there. Well, there we go, fellas. That's been good fun. Thank you for your time and sharing your thoughts and love of the new version of The Daleks in Colour with a U. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you know what I, I also hope for in the future? That, again, things improve and we can improve again. You know, there'll be more picture restoration that's possible. I don't think we should necessarily stop where we are. You want 3D versions? No, no 3D, but, you know, somebody will come up with a fix for the fast-moving camera and find the information. That's not there, but somebody will come up with a way of generating it. So. Yeah. The restoration team um, are brilliant. They probably will invent it before you know it. Well, do you know, I've, I've followed a lot of them over the years and it's fascinating to see what they do with very little and technology will improve and will improve and will improve. So we could find a decent use for AI at last. Woohoo! Not just to invent pictures of Sheridan Smith in a bikini. What? That What's was that? just for our YouTube What's... viewers. Yes. And that's on Kenny's private YouTube channel, everyone. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not the Power of Three one. Power of Three Nights. Not we'll find it later. Anyway, John, hit me with your question. <laughs> oh, oh, how can I how can I phrase this in a way which you know is much better at doing this in a way which is subtle and layered and you know just basically Shakespearean. But <laughs> uh, oh, wise one. No, that was the that was an unearthly child. Oh, wise foul elder in your shapely tights and sandal look please tell us what are you going to be playing us out with this week what copyright infringement are you going to be discarding blithely 
for the benefit of our listener. Yes, we are going to go for something that I thought sounded quite appropriate. I thought, given that obviously they looked at the original colour photos that were taken by Ray Kasich, and uh, to a fair part, we've got the, the pictures have now been brought to life in video, as they sort of were. So I thought Cindy Lauper in true colour would be an appropriate fit for this one. Aww. We see the true colours shining that one. There we go. I'm sure there's a Dalek interpretation of that song that you could find. No, I'm not even recording it either, much as I would love to, but no, 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 no. Anyway, listeners, thank you for joining us. And we'll be back with you again uh, before Christmas because we've got something special lined up for you. Ho, ho, ho. How, how, how. Bye bye. What's that? Bye. Bye, everyone. Great. Bye. But I see your truth